All right. All right, all right. You want to go first? I can go first, Chua. I want people to stop having uh, just bought all the toilet paper out of the store. When you don't, like, I, I just think I find that frustrating because... Quinn and I uh, did not buy a crazy amount of toilet paper. And so when we needed, the, you know, this past week, it's like, okay, we got to go stock back up, get, get a little more. There was just none to be found anywhere because people yeah. have like bought a year's supply, you know, and therefore just disrupted the supply availability of it. And, you know, it's just, it's more like apocalyptic, like fear, unhealthy crap um, that, that just sort of just interrupts totally. other people's life and uh, it's just too much. Right. And I mean, that's the, stuff. that's the like feedback loop of panic buying. Right. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I, the, <laughs> there's so many times where it's like, I don't feel panicked. Right. But, but then I see the empty shelves. There, and I'm like, oh, well, it's, I'm I don't, panicked. <laughs> well, it's like this thing of like, you know, people are buying all the toilet paper and all the dry beans. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. freaking out like them, but you know, if I don't go buy it now, then I might as, then I won't be able to have it. So I better go to the store right. and stock up on toilet paper and dry beans. And so like, exactly. Everyone's, right. Just- <laughs> everyone's like the fear of everyone buying. It's like, no one has a fear of, of it not being there. Mm-hmm. They only have a fear of everyone buying it. And so it's not there. Right, like, right, every, exactly. It's the only reason. Right. Everyone's wrong for hoarding, but right for hoarding because in response to other people. Everyone who's doing it in response <laughs> to the virus, wrong. Other people, right. it feels <laughs> right. more justified. It's true. It's true. And, you know, and I, yeah, when I went to the store um, uh, several days ago, and there, it was the first time in the month that I had seen lentils on the shelf. And I mm. didn't, and I was so excited because I also just like love lentils. They're so versatile. You can do so many things. And yeah. I bought just two, I Thing bought like two little bags, you know, I know. Uh, and it was like a full shelf pounds? of lentils. Yeah, just two bags, two pounds. That's a waste you know, of, which of I will, a true run on a normal it, day. <laughs> well, okay. I'm not Steven. Okay. All right. I don't just eat lentils. Um, you're also a meathead. So that, that makes <laughs> but, more sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, you know, and it was it, there was a there was a voice in my head that was like, maybe just grab all the lentils. Like maybe just <laughs> take them all. You know. And I, I didn't. Mean, worst I didn't case do that. You spend thirty dollars. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's also part of like stocking up on dried beans. Yeah, they're just so cheap. You know, why would you not? Right. But also, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. So yeah, that's me. Yeah. How about I mean, you, Stephen? Um, well, Sorry, I have I plenty of toilet point. paper at, uh, <laughs> we've got probably in excess of a hundred rolls. So, um, oh, you want to mail some to us? Uh, no, it would <laughs> probably cost wanna... me as much to mail you as it would for you to order some. So, um, <laughs> okay, fair. But no, I mean, something that I've seen and have they been doing it in New York where like, um, in lots of places it's like the the grocery stores around here it's like you cannot buy more than one pack of toilet paper um like they then, won't let you 
Yeah, they won't let you. And then a lot of stores have now even moved to a list of items like uh, Clorox wipes, uh, disinfecting spray, rubbing alcohol, toilet paper. Um, it's like a, a, a list of items and you can't buy more than three. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean you can't buy any of the any of those items because they are completely just gone not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but that's really smart. I wish that they would do that. That would be really awesome. I yeah, I've have certain like I was we like yeah rubbing alcohol or disinfectant wipes or something or disinfectant spray. Those have just been literally nowhere mm. forever. Yeah, and I mean, also, you just can't do like online shopping from grocery for grocery stores, right? Like unless you're buying, unless you're just, I guess, like going through Amazon and like buying pantry supplies, like to be shipped, like normal. It's impossible in the city to to buy online from a grocery store. Like so, I don't. When we were sick, we were just like, "What the fuck do we do?" Because like, you just, there were never any slots, and like any of the the like, you could just get a box of like farm fresh vegetables. We're all like, no new orders until May. Uh, so it's just like, it's just a crazy, it's craziness. Yeah. Yeah. But you you can still get stuff at the grocery store. So if you're well enough to go, then, you know, it's all good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, um, indeed. How about you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, let's talk about something else. (laughs) Um, you know, unemployment update. I have Mm -hmm. qualified. Did you have your interview? I, oh, sorry. Problem solved. Oh, did I have okay. oh, the the interview of the news interview? Yeah, I did yeah. Have the news interview. I never watched it, um, mm, but I did. Well, it's like it's on local news in New York City. I mean, like I don't. Oh. I've just never watched it. Um, sure. And I felt like it went fine. I mean, the problem the problem with the whole situation is that I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. and. I'm put in the position to be an expert. Every, every all right. these lay people are put in the position to be an expert with because mm-hmm. all the experts are busy on the phone with people. You know, it's it's <laughs> like God, yeah, you know, one yeah. expert can only talk to what max thirty people in a day, and yet twenty million people are unemployed. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. but the big the new thing I want to get rid of is. Um, the server still being overloaded um, and every aspect of the server still being overloaded. I'm finding it immensely difficult to set up direct deposit. So Hmm. I attempted to set up direct deposit the first time. It seemed like I did. I put my bank information. I pressed continue. It took me back to the main menu. I don't (laughs) know. I mean, it seemed like the way to do it. Right. Then debit card gets mm. issued. Right. And I was like, fucking great. Um, <laughs> you know, now I've got $1,650 on a debit card mm-hmm. that I Wait, don't in have. your mailbox. Right. And what's, your, go- what's your address? What's your address again? I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you actually, well, I have <laughs> actually the numbers to the card. Do you want me to just read those? On? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. It, it will be useless so without the number on the back with the three digits on the back, you know, <laughs> the, 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 just, it, you know, yeah. um, well, then just give but, us your social security number and we'll call it, we'll call it. Email. Okay. Sure, 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 sure. Um, great, great, but the, so then I get sent the, you know, Raymond, my roommate sends me pictures of the card uh, front mm-hmm. and back. 
And then mm-hmm. I, I go online, I set up the account, I activate the card, shaboomaloom, $1,600. And mm-hmm. so what I want to get rid of is, uh, no, fuck it, I'll keep the story going. The, uh, <laughs> there's a place where you can transfer funds to an account. And it says very plainly mm-hmm. that you could transfer some or all. Mm-hmm. So I say, shaboomaloom, sixteen fifty <laughs> transfer. But nope, mm-hmm. can't do it. Cannot transfer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm above the account, uh, the card due account transfer limit. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe a thousand. I put in a thousand mm-hmm. shaboomaloom, boom, no too much too high. What? So I put in five hundred. Mm-hmm. Click enter. Shaboomaloom. Shaboomaloom. Too high. <laughs> so what? I think, God damn it, $300, that's the max of most ATMs. That's what mm-hmm. I'll just put in. Shaboomaloom. <laughs> Boom. It goes through. Oh. So, you know, okay. for so it became a daily task to hop on the computer and just transfer transfer $300 $300 every day but I just wanted to make sure Uh that I only had to do it for that $1,600 so I go online when I'm I'm, I'm reclaiming new benefits and I'm like all right direct deposit I'm setting it up I'm being very clear and continue it takes me to a new page a new page I hadn't seen before so I'm like oh shit this must be why it didn't work before so I'm Filling out all that information, clicking everything, it tells me I'm timed out. I go back in, shaboom alone, timed out. <laughs> so I keep doing it, and then finally, it looks like it's all good. And yet, shaboom alone. I check my my debit card to do the transfer, and shaboom alone, there's an extra thousand dollars on there. So oh I'm God. like, mother fucker. Every day for the next fucking six months, I'm just going to be transferring $300 increments I mean, off of this damn card. It's a pretty nice daily salary. It's so. not bad, you know? I, I can live off of it if I hold my nose. But, <laughs> the you know, I, I just... I just want... The, the 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 direct deposit system to work mm-hmm. you know it worked for my yeah. stimulus check no oh, you already got that nice did you, you check your I, uh, I did i have not gotten it well maybe you'll luck out and get the paper check you'll get the signature i would be so lucky mm-hmm. for some reason could frame it <laughs> oh, that's true that would be pretty cool yeah you have you have a you have his DJT signature. <laughs> so right. special. Um, well, check I your, hope, check I, your I account. Hope, you should have it. I literally did today, this morning. Did you literally Quinn, do it? I literally did. Did you literally did. do it or did you figuratively do it? Did you literally do I it? Literally did. Okay. Quinn's was pending yesterday, so it it's possible. It's just, you know, a slow ripple. Mm. But anyways, uh, let's start the show. Let's start the show. Welcome to Should We Keep This? But before we no, but before we get going, I have to. I do have to ask you, Gina. Uh huh. Do you read the Bible? 
Oh, God. No. Ezekiel 25, 17. If I have to hear this one more time, the I already had to hear it three times in the movie. By the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. <clears throat> Blessed is he who, in the name of no, charity, no. No, no, no. looks no, back no. over You're the not... 50 no. years of okay. film, okay. music, <laughs> and television to challenge, to challenge your nostalgia, to shepherd the weak through the valley oh, of darkness, God. and get at the question. What's, Have what's you ever given question? a foot massage? <laughs> I'm the foot master. <laughs> what's your name? Are you just the foot master? Okay. I'm the foot master. <laughs> uh, and I'm Zed. And today we're talking about... <laughs> Yes, we are. Your intros are so great, especially, and I do not want you to change this. The fact that I never know what you're going to (laughs) do is a great part of it because I just feel like a really bad scene partner. (laughs) And I, and I love that. (laughs) Um, Yes, we are talking about Pulp Fiction, our second special of the 90s of a long list. Um, Of a long list. We're going to keep it flowing. Yeah, we've curated an incredible, an incredible list of '90s movies, and this, the rest of them, most of the rest of them, will be, we'll get to do two in a week, which will be pretty fun. Right? There's just too many movies in the '90s. Too many. Too many. Too many. Too many genres, and you know, wow. The history of cinema blossoms as a flower the further we get Mm. through time. There are just too many things to cover. Uh huh. So we're gonna start with Pulp Fiction. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, but I'll give you a little sweet, sweet synopsis. Good luck with um, that. Thank you. It's a bit long, but I'll try to I'll try to move through. So um, this movie is from 1994, uh, and it follows three central interrelated stories told out of chronological order. So I'm going to go kind of how the movie goes. Um, uh, hitmen Jules Winfield and Vincent Vega. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, they arrive at an apartment to retrieve a briefcase for their boss, the gangster Marcellus Wallace, um, from some business associates in the apartment, uh, who they kill. They take the briefcase to Marcellus, and they overhear him bribing champion boxer Butch Coolidge to lose an upcoming match. Um, the next day, Vincent buys some heroin from his dealer, Lance, and then goes over to take Marcellus's wife, Mia, out, as he was instructed to do, while his boss is out of town. They go out for dinner, have a long dinner, uh, and then come back, and while Vincent is in the bathroom, Mia mistakes his heroin for cocaine, and she snorts it, and she overdoses. Um, Vincent brings her to Lance's house, the dealer, where they revive her with an adrenaline shot to the heart, uh, and they promise they agree to never speak of this to Marcellus. Um, we jump to the boxing match where Butch, uh, who was supposed to lose the match, instead he betrays Marcellus and wins, accidentally killing his opponent. Um, but he and his girlfriend had planned for this. They're, they've packed their bags. They're staying at a motel. They're ready to head out of town. Um, but he realizes that she uh, forgot to bring a very special watch of his, a family heirloom, heirloom uh, which was left at his apartment. So he goes to retrieve it and... It all goes pretty well, um, but then he runs into Marcellus randomly on the street, and they fight their way into a pawn shop where the owner knocks them out, ties them up in his basement, and invites his friend Zed over, uh, and Zed and the pawn shop owner uh, proceed 
to sexually assault Marcellus. Um, Butch manages to escape and turns back at the last second to help Marcellus get free so that he can exact some vengeance. Uh, we jump to earlier, right after Jules and Vincent had killed the business associates in that apartment, um, an unnoticed assailant leaps out from the bathroom and unloads a gun on them, but they don't get hit by a single bullet. Jules sees this as a miracle. Um, they debate this in the car, and Vincent accidentally shoots uh, another person who was at that same scene in the head in the car, so they have to get it off the road and have Marcella send someone to help them clean it up. Um which takes some time. Afterwards, they go for breakfast at a diner where a couple is holding up the restaurant. Uh, the couple tries to take the briefcase. Jules and Vincent um, being, you know, pretty used to this situation, they easily kind of overpower the the assailants. And Jules decides not to kill them due to the miracle that they had just witnessed earlier. Uh, they leave the diner with their briefcase, stick their guns into their sweatshorts, and they walk on out. And that's the movie. Mm. ish basically um All right. this movie has has uh it's 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 a very it's alive in our in our cultural oh, yeah. memory oh yeah time um so this is uh this is basically this is quentin tarantino's breakthrough film he had already made reservoir dogs but reservoir dogs made like three million dollars this film was made for eight and a half million. It made two hundred and thirteen point nine million dollars. Was the first, and it was the first film fully financed by Miramax. Um, hmm. So it won the it won the Oscar for best original screenplay, and it is seen as his postmodern masterpiece. So, uh, familiar faces. We got Christopher Walken. We got Bruce Willis. We got Samuel L. Jackson. We got Harvey Weinstein. We got John Travolta. Wait, Harvey Weinstein, oh. we're not seeing him, but he's producing okay, the film. You, you um, really made it sound that he was an actor. No, he's not an actor in the film. No, he. but he is. We've already talked about him as a producer. Um, and we'll say more about his relationship with Tarantino in a moment. Mm. We also got uh, now. We haven't talked about Harvey Keitel, Rosanna Arquette, or Amanda Plummer, but they were already uh, established fixtures of the scene. Now, in terms of who was made a star by this, um, you, we, we already talked about Quentin Tarantino. Tim Roth was uh, was a British star he had already done lots of things including uh rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead um but this was you know his work with tarantino is what crossed him over into an american success he had already done reservoir dogs he did pulp fiction um you know he later did the hateful eight and then four rooms was a was the follow-up to pulp fiction it was like a more niche sort of vignette style movie mm. um now this was also international claim for Uma Thurman. She was already a Vogue cover model. She was already in the movie of Dangerous Liaisons, but this is the movie that was seen as like her breakout. Um, mm -hmm. Ving Rhames, this was it. He's in the not yet category because he becomes more famous with. Um, he does a, a miniseries later in the '90s uh, where he plays Don King. And that was like his breakout 
starring performance. He, you know, won a Golden Globe for that and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Also, his name, Ving Ray. So his name is Irving. And uh, mm-hmm. guess who gave him his nickname while they were in high school together? Who? Stanley Tucci. <laughs> really? Yes, Stanley wow. Tucci gave Ving Rhames the nickname wow. Ving. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> Wild. Um, yeah. And then also, uh, bright little cameo by Kathy Griffin. Mm. You know, a little quick right. shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, oh, yeah. she helps uh, Ving Rhames, helps him up. Uh, yeah. So uh, in terms of right. quotes and things, uh, we've got get medieval on your ass, which I thought there's no mm-hmm. way that that originates from Pulp Fiction. But it is, I know, I was thinking that too. Yeah, but it it, it does. Um, wow. Kind of like the, whatever that Godfather quote was that, right. I, I don't oh, remember yeah. it. Everyone everyone remembers it. So I, I feel like I'm not even going to deign <laughs> to, to quote it to, because yeah. everyone, it's so <laughs> alive. Um, but then, mm. Also, the like slick suited gangsters, you know, um, the literally the the look mm. of Jules and Vince is even yeah. like it's parodied even in Space Jam. Um, <laughs> then, like, which we will be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then, like the glow coming out of a a mm-hmm. suitcase, like like looking in and then seeing the. Like seeing the person see the thing that's like referenced in a, a number of movies, um, and then just a fun one is in um, in Game Night. Rachel McAdams has a gun and they bust into a bar, and she goes, "If any of you fucking pricks move, I'm gonna execute every motherfucking last one of you." Oh yeah, she does. I um, like that movie a lot. Yeah, that was a great movie. It's a really, um, really good movie. <laughs> yeah. And then also the the music. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of songs mm-hmm. that are like you you know, as ubiquitous as the tequila song, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like instrumental music. And yeah, this this movie this movie helps slap them up there and in, in, into modern instrumental fame. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Um, also, they call it a royale with cheese. That's like a yeah. quote mm-hmm. that people think is funny. I <laughs> think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, they call it a uh, royale. No, they got the metric system. They right. call it a royale <laughs> with cheese. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. John Travolta. <laughs> That's so fun. Oh. Uh, I hope it's good when, yeah. when I listen back. In a week, I hope I hope that I'm proud of it. I think you'll smile. I think you'll smile. Should we jump in and vote? Let's or do, do it. You Let's jump in. Oh okay. God, I you know oh fuck it's me. So hard to, uh, it's hard to be um yeah. It's hard objective. to be so good at John Travolta. <laughs> at John Travolta. <laughs> okay. All right, um, ready? One, two, three. three. Fuck this movie. Get I mean, it out of here. Gina, I don't know. What? I don't know. Um, what? Wait, I are you conflicted? Okay. I, oh, only. Cool. God damn it. Okay. I'm only. All right. I am. I am. 
Yes. There are some I cannot wait to rip apart the the problems that Tarantino has. Um and there's some interesting stuff about like people trying to you know theorize um why we're able to not care about mm-hmm. some of the things that we're seeing and it's part of it was because uh they they one of the things that they said is like because the film itself doesn't comment on any of the things that we are that we're like shockingly witnessing then uh then it somehow the audience is free from it there's some, there's like a weird how do i put it how how was it put it was something about um yeah, I mean, basically, the end. The end of the, uh, my last note was, uh, "What an insidious blast!" Um, because I'm not crazy. I like we have the most romanticized depiction of someone shooting up that has ever been filmed. Oh, yeah. We have, like, you know, we have. I think. I, I like Spike Lee. I think Spike Lee went about it the the best in a public way. He was just like, I question, you know, his phrasing was, I question his use of the N-word. And then mm-hmm. his response is, I reserve the complete and total right as a writer to write whatever I want. And yeah. it's just, you know, the world that this is then, this is what's happening in the world that I created. And it is exactly what it is and i'm like well there are certain situations when maybe that's true like the fact like like with the like with zed and his cohort they Mm -hmm. might use the n-word but quentin tarantino yeah, when you show up as a when, cameo in your own movie in your own and you're the movie, director and the writer and you say it four times in 30 seconds. In, a, in an you, area that in doesn't a, make doesn't sense. Need it. It, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, it, my, I mean, I just if I may, I think that the among the many sub-problems of this movie, to me it's like, okay, this is this movie is really, it's it's sort of about nothing. You know what I mean? Like it is a right. intentionally a patchwork of random things, um, you know, and plots that then do like they, the plots, the really the only thing that makes it about something, I suppose, is like the plots all touch each other. You know what I mean? Like they are connected. Right. Can I read but anything? If, can, I, can I read? It, I found the quotes that I was. I found the quotes okay. that I was looking at. One of them, uh, and they, okay. they speak actually to exactly. You feel upset. I'm so sorry. Keep going. No, no. Well, it's just that that's not my pro- like. That was the setup to the problem. That just right. to just to respond to what you're saying, and then you can read the quote. Like, so if you are making a movie that could, therefore, literally anything could happen, and the people could talk about anything because what they talk about doesn't matter because it's just you know meant to be kind of this like long monologues and like just shots of mundane you know, I mean, for, for the life of like gangsters, but like, so therefore you are constructing, you are intentionally constructing uh super, like all these situations that, that are just, you know, blatantly, you know, like 
racist for no reason and uh, super misogynistic for no reason, except that like you think you're make you think you're making a cool movie. And I feel like that's like this movie Mm. is super, super cool. And so like because and so I think it does have it is commenting on the things it's doing because it's intentionally this movie. Let's go for it. Go in. So <laughs> like it's commenting because by by choosing the things that it's putting in because it could put anything into this plot it is there it is commenting on on the fact that it is making no comment and right. therefore just using them to be cool you know what I mean like I my big reaction to this whole thing was like this movie makes me think that Quentin Tarantino his whole life has just wanted to be fucking cool and this yeah. is his movie where he's like look at how cool I am. I'm a white dude saying the N word and I'm showing all these cool dudes blowing, like shooting each other like that. And I used to really love this movie, you know, like I really liked it and I thought it was really cool because it is really cool because that's the whole point. Like it's just trying to make it all look fucking cool. Um, And that's really, really pisses me off. And that's just also Quentin Tarantino to me in general. I like I I just want to get rid of this dude, to be totally honest. And like. Every one of his movies has the same relationship to, like, all these problems, I think. Um, right. You yeah. Know, Quentin Tarantino I, movies are a lot like, you know, a rap act at a music festival. <laughs> a lot of white people saying the N-word. Um, but the, the the quotes that I was thinking about are, um, yeah. mm-hmm. so, uh, the Mark T. Conrad says, uh, what is this film about? American nihilism. If the film is actually about anything other than its own cleverness, it seems dedicated to the dubious thesis that hitmen are part of the human family. <laughs> um, I like, yeah, I mean, it... And uh, the other one that I, that I saw... Yeah, people are talking about, like, it empties... It empties violence of any critical social consequences, offering viewers only the immediate shock, horror, and irony without insight as elements of mediation. Mm. None of these elements get beyond the seduction of voyeuristic gazing, Mm -hmm. the facile consumption of shocking images and hallucinatory delight. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's like none of the violent things we're witnessing mean anything to the characters so like it's just purely for the sake of it being cool you know like it doesn't really like no we don't see anybody like having a hard time with what they've just witnessed except for like oh it was a miracle that i didn't get shot you know which is not really the same thing Mm -hmm. um yeah and so even even like after the horror that butch witnesses with zed and the other dude who owned the pawn shop it's like he's just cool he's just like i stole the motorcycle zed's dead baby let's ride you know like there's there's no like grappling with like lifestyle that you've that you're right. a part of or like any of that you know it's just kind of like it just is it's all just stuff that happens and and it's just sort mm-hmm. of normal which so it's just normalizing all of this really hateful shit and the yeah, I mean the biggest thing, uh, I, I, the biggest thing has to be the the use of the n. I, well, I don't know why I said the biggest thing is going to be the use of the n word. I mean that is a big thing. Um, it's but a big thing. Yeah. It, I mean, because it happens with like the the places that it doesn't make sense, 
are basically more than the places where it does make sense. So, mm-hmm. like, the it doesn't make sense, the Tim Roth in the opening explaining all the different, like, mm-hmm. racial slurs of people yeah, in restaurants that... that don't care about stuff. Then, no need for that. Right, because people just don't talk that way. You could say, <laughs> like, they just don't. Like, the drug dealer saying mm-hmm. that, you right. know, like black people in America don't know what good heroin is. Say he's a racist. Mm-hmm. He's going to just, he's not going to say like, he's just not going to say it like that. Mm. He might, you know, maybe he says, you know, black, black people don't know what good heroin is. Mm-hmm. That's how he would say it. Right. Yeah. He would not use the N word. Right. Yeah. It just it just does not make sense, and then, and and then, Quentin Tarantino, there, whatever Quentin Tarantino wants to say, he, no one would, he wouldn't say it to a black person God. in his face. I know, and it's so person, crazy, like, and it's just the fact, like God, that scene, because again, it's like you are the you are this these people's director as well like and you're just and you are putting yourself where you're saying the n-word for no reason in front of one of your actors who is black and like there's like you just can't separate that from like the relationship the just what you think about this person when the cameras are off like Mm -hmm. i just i don't know how as an actor like you you could possibly separate those and like samuel l jackson has defended tarantino for for his use of the n-word in his scripts including in django um you know and like but even then i feel like django is i mean it's right it's like of django uh, makes more sense than the context of this right and it's like way over the top but right exactly it's like i believe that these people would say would use that language and Mm -hmm. here it's like no again it's just because you feel like you've been an uncool white guy who like thinks it's cool probably to to like say the n-word like it just feels like this desperate attempt to prove his coolness um and he did you know and he succeeded he like got us all to think it's cool this is the this is the 90s equivalent of annie hall this Mm -hmm. is the film that like when people want to like talk about how cool they are they whip it out as a movie that they like yeah. And then they go like, oh, well, have you seen Pulp Fiction? Or, oh, man, Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie. And you're like, oh, I get it. This mm-hmm. guy's cool. You know, I right. mean. Absolutely. It- I And I also, and like something that is far, to me, far more like insidious and subtle mm-hmm. in this movie and therefore uh, really troubles me as well. Like, and there's so much more racism that we haven't even talked about. So we can come back to that for sure. But like. Every single, every single female character in this movie, I expect them to be sexualized, to be honest, because I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, in a movie like this where, you know, you're just trying to be cool. It's like, yes, we're going to sexualize every woman. But they're also, every single one is just infantilized in a really troubling way. Like every woman is given some like cutesy nickname by whoever is in the scene with her. Like Mm -hmm. she's called, you know, every single woman um from like the taxi driver who also just like has some weird sort of childish morbid fascination with this murderer in the backseat that makes no sense to Uma Thurman who like 
is, you know, the wife of uh, the boss and like, um, you know, he, but John Travolta like immediately calls her kitty cat. And then her whole, the end of her arc is like her being kind of like a greedy child who just like snorts something because it's fun and then like has to be saved you know, and revived, uh, and like is sort of humiliated, like every single, and then like every character, the wife of the drug dealer, um, you know, is just like portrayed to be like hysterical and like unhelpful Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, an annoying woman, um, you know, and like, uh, you know, and Quentin Tarantino's wife, like the, when he appears, like he just talks about his wife, like, you know, she buys shit coffee like even things like that where it's just sort of like there's always a dig at every single woman um in the movie and like it's so and i i felt this watching i mean i've even like i haven't watched kill bill in a while so maybe this is an exception because that movie is obviously like all about female characters but like once upon a time in hollywood i just like could feel the hatred towards women that was at the pulsing throughout the movie and like i just uh, it just is so disturbing and something that i feel like is really woven into um you know the the core of this like cool masculine energy that quentin tarantino puts in his movies yeah with and you know with with uh hollywood once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, that that's also an example of like, not, it's not an example of, but he, he, with someone like Polanski, you can't have him there and mm. not, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and not be prepared to like reference him. Like you can't just have him be a character inconsequentially. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's already on the record of describing uh, that situation, like, as, you know, saying, you know, statutory rape and rape, they're not the same thing, okay? And, like, she, it, he didn't really, he didn't rape her, okay? And then he did apologize. Um, Quentin said that? Quentin said that about the, oh, about, about Polanski. Polanski. Oh. Um, and then he he later apologized, said he was wrong and ignorant and and stupid and he shouldn't have said that, etc. Uh, but then he goes and he makes a movie in which there's somebody who's just a rapist side character, and it's like, but buddy, you gotta like, there's gotta be some sort ta- of there's gotta be talk here. There's gotta be the, Are you, you talking can't. About- this movie sorry wait no movie you're talking about? about once upon a time in hollywood um, oh, oh, oh yeah said yeah, with yeah. this movie right. i feel like what this movie gives nod to but then doesn't really explain in any way is the lifestyle it gives nod to the fact that this lifestyle is destructive but it mm-hmm. doesn't really put the gas behind it to so that the film has any sort of opinion on on it mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that Uma Thurman is so addicted to cocaine that she just immediately finds powder and snorts it and then overdoses. We get no, we get nothing in terms of 
whether or not she's like affected by that or changed by that. And then right. there's just, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing. There's really nothing that suggests that, that anyone learns anything or that anyone has any sort of opinions or that we're supposed to come out feeling like these people are really bad or the things or the ways in which they experience their demise are in any way related to these things that they do. Right. No, absolutely. Cause right. If like Vincent ends the movie unchanged and ostensibly will still, ha- you know, continue this lifestyle pretty happily. Marcellus. Well, no, like, he dies. Or- oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot about the out of order. Okay. He dies, but like perspective before he dies is like, a plus to this lifestyle. I forgot right. that because yeah, hundred percent. Um, and and even honestly, like having it out of order in that way, like the last thing we see of him is this sort of like, I don't know. There's something about the deconstruction of like the order, where like by the time the movie's, but he's died. But then like the last thing we see is like, you know, I don't know. Oh that sure, he's no sure, pretty, sure, sure. Pretty about and Marcellus, chill. yeah, exactly. Like Marcellus. Uh, we're meant to be like, yeah, get like we're meant to be on his side at the end, where he's like, I'm gonna call up my guys and bring them over here, and we're gonna torture these rapists. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like that's definitely like he's not changing his lifestyle, and we are probably meant to be like, yeah, go ahead, because these guys obviously are horrible. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so and like Butch ha- has seen some shit, but like probably is just gonna like i don't think that he's he he's also used his lifestyle like the skills he has which are his violence to you know escape the situation and so like he hasn't learned that he shouldn't use those that violence you know what I mean? in the future right i don't know yeah so it's just like really jules is the only one who who i guess there is some hope that he might do something different um but but I still don't believe that like the movie is saying that like that he should be doing something different because the lifestyle is, is going to hurt him if he was to continue. I don't know. Right. Like it, he is, he's just a character in the world. It's like some sort of like, Hmm, almost it, there's like obviously some mysticism to it. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a little bit comical that he goes off in this thing of like God is doing this to me. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. he's kind of heroized in a way that, you know, people are heroized for like he has a sort of general spiritual notion, but but we don't actually really know what it is. And, mm. and so like, because that, because the world doesn't know what it is in the film, he's just sort of, he becomes like the, like a wandering, and you know, honestly in, in this Quentin Tarantino's, like in Quentin Tarantino's world, this is a normal thing to say. He becomes basically a wandering samurai. Hmm. And totally. yeah. We're not we don't sort of judge him for being a samurai. Like he doesn't face any sort of like 
he in any way in many ways because he didn't want to kill Marvin like he's generally sort of seen as like a noble person throughout the whole movie yeah totally also his quote can I read mm-hmm. you a, a quote from now I have long known that this is not actually Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. You know, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 that's just anyone who looks up Ezekiel 25, 17. Is it similar? Um, roughly, it is. Okay. Um, first off, it's long. A Bible verse God. is about a sentence long. It's just yeah, that's that just how, so generally long. how the Bible operates. Here you're like Ezekiel twenty five seventeen through twenty four. Then maybe <laughs> that would work. But no, it means right. I the the quote is I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's it. Um, uh-huh. the 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 the, the, pa- the passage before it has nothing to do with walking through the valley and being the shepherd um Uh it has to do with the philistines now there is however a quote from the 1976 film the bodyguard which Uh you had to do i want to which is from, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, a Japanese martial arts film. The path of the righteous man and the defender is beset on all sides by the iniquity of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the father of lost children. And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious anger who poison and destroy my brothers. And they shall say that I am cheap of the bodyguard <laughs> when I lay my vengeance upon them. Wait, I am what? The bodyguard? Chiba the bodyguard <laughs> when I lay my vengeance upon them. Oh, man. Wow. That's a little bit plagiarized. A little bit. That's a little similar. A little bit. A little bit. Uh... Doug, sort of, wow. you know, we we get a little bit of the, uh, you know, Kimba the White Lion in terms of this line yeah, we exactly. walk between homage and just stealing a thing. So, right. yeah. Yup. And also, there's some things that I was I was looking up. They were just, they, some have said that, like, there's, you know, no... Um, that like because it's not commenting on the like sexism and the racism etc it like gives them a voyeuristic quality that like robs them of their power um which uh it doesn't um there's also i feel like it also sort of betrays um a sense like a sense of homophobia in the viewer. Like it relies Mm -hmm. on the viewer's homophobia to be, you know, like the fact that like the idea of the gimp, 
mm. relies on us as homophobic yeah. to not really think about this person's life. Totally. Well, and, and he literally just lives in a box. Like there's right. no... There's, With a cage inside of it. Yeah, in a leather suit that I'm sure you can't, is not comfortable. Like, there, yeah, th yeah like this, is, it's literally completely dehumanized as a life because it's just sort of like he becomes an it that you can just store in a box and bring out for for your kicks. Like, right. yeah. There's, a, there's one review um, that I read that, so is this guy, his name is uh, Brooker. Um, and he was saying that it's that it's no Freeman. Sorry. Um, yeah, locating in in popular locating popular fiction in the bathroom, Tarantino reinforces its association with shit. And, and I'm like, okay, this is you're like we're kind of reading in, um, and that we see here a series of damaging associations: pulp, women, shit that taint not only male producers of mass market fiction, but also male consumers. Per, uh, perched on the toilet, Vincent is feminized by sitting instead of standing, as well as his trashy taste. Preoccupied by the anal. What? I was like, preoccupied by the anal? What are you reading? What this, is, is this? this is a... This Some is review? This is, a, yes, a review. Um, he is okay. implicitly infantilized and homosexualized, and he's... Uh, and the seemingly inevitable result is him being pulverized by Butch. The fact uh, that is a fate to do with Vincent's reading habits, that, that this fate has to do with Vincent's reading habits is strongly suggested by a slow tilt from the book on the floor up to his corpse in the tub. And I'm like, is this moment, like, is he dead because he was feminized and homosexualized? And given an anal fixation, is that like I feel like that is maybe like it, mm. maybe you, you yeah. tell me. I feel like it's being read into by the reviewer in a way that yeah. sort of betrays. I don't know the 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 critic's position, like maybe, but maybe also because we're in twenty twenty. And I don't feel feminized or homosexualized when I sit to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I... Yeah. I mean, I don't know this. Crit I, I, I don't know that I. Like, sure. Like, well, I guess when he says that, like, because the movie, because I believe that the movies, uh, like, there's obviously the overt homophobia in it. And then it's just sort of the uh unconscious bias like against uh anything that is non sort of stereotypically masculine and heterosexual that like i i sure like when when you when the reviewer says it that way i'm like i could see that actually because i believe that there is an implicit bias against anything that is like quote unquote feminized for a man that like but i don't think that that was like intentionally woven into the script but like it's true that he dies he like we see him reading like i guess the joke of a lot of those scenes where we see him in the bathroom is like 
he's sitting and like reading a book that we can't quite see what it is, but it's got mm-hmm. like a woman on it and it looks very, it looks like a book that a woman would read or, you know what I mean? Like, right. and so it does feel like that is sort of the joke of it. And so therefore him dying. Yeah. Like I, I, I buy that as an implicit bias. I don't think it was like as on, um, as upfront as that reviewer is saying, but like also what, uh, what a review, what a review that right. was. I, I that also was... feel like the, the, um, <laughs> It was from Cool Men and the Second Sex by Susan Freeman. But also, I just feel like, generally speaking, it's clear that his death comes because he didn't heed God's warning to get out of the life. Hmm. That seems sure, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. point of, of why he dies, not because mm-hmm. he's feminine. Yeah, I guess. Although, again, I just can't. I just don't know that the movie is telling us that they should get out of the life because because we're. I don't know that. I don't know that we're supposed to agree with Jules's perception of what happened. Like, I think it is meant to be a little bit like, "What you think that was divine intervention?" Like, come on, you know what I mean? Like, I think the movie also is so much about coincidence, uh, and like intentionally, it's like because there's so many like coincidences that happen. Like, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. Butch runs into Marcellus on the street and even on, and I think like the one of Vincent going to the bathroom, like he just like happens to be in the bathroom at the moment when this guy comes in. Like, I feel like it's tough for me to put that lens on it because it just doesn't seem like it's telling me that there is a, a message to like a perspective on this life. Like it feels likely to me that it's just sort of like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if he just like again happened to be in the bathroom when I mean, this I guy guess, barges in. You know what I mean? Right. And well, I guess though that to me the to me, they live in the same world that mm-hmm. like there was divine intervention in this one part of the plot, but like nowhere else. And so it's like you know, God is not telling all of them to get out of the life. It's just like, I feel like you can't help but like under this, if you watch it, maybe not. And you know what? Not the first time. Mm. And like, I could see, I could see 50% of the people leaving, not drawing that connection. Mm -hmm. But I feel like on second watch, it's it's gonna I feel like people the only conclusion to draw would be like oh Vincent should have quit like mm-hmm. Jules tried to get him to quit and he didn't and, and he died you know um yeah, it's maybe and I feel like though again it's about the out of orderness for me because we don't even know that um <clears throat> that Jules quits and tried to get vincent to quit until after he died mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like so it doesn't feel like there's cause and effect like woven right. into the movie because it intentionally is disrupting that so yeah i don't know hmm. yeah uh, i feel like that would have been the message if it had been told chronologically but because it's not like it almost is trying to bury that message for us mm. i don't know um also I, I, something else that I feel like is a thing that this movie has done 
is, you know, I can't, it, it glorifies, it glorifies drugs, 100%, and it glorifies heroin, 100%, and there was a, there was a quote that I couldn't, that I was almost positive that I remember coming from this movie, right? Mm. I, which was, have you ever fucked on cocaine? I like I was I was like so certain that that happened mm. while they were in while they were sitting in the diner. Mm. I was like certain that she had asked him, "Have you ever fucked on cocaine?" She's she's addicted to cocaine. She's snorting cocaine all the time. And okay, she does a bunch of cocaine. Oh, have you ever fucked on cocaine? Which to me, I mean, it seems like such a stupid question to ask. Um, it sounds like something that someone who's never done cocaine would write into their movie but mm-hmm. like i googled I, what, I, what? Hmm. no I, but she that's not from this movie right correct does anyone right now okay. so i then go because i'm sitting here watching it being like there's no way that i rented uh, an edited version you know i rented the real mm-hmm. thing there were a couple times where because the language is a little bit weird um I thought like, oh, that sounded like it was edited. But then I'm like, Steven, they've been saying fuck all the time. They're not going to edit this. They're not going <laughs> to overdub this one time. Like, because mm-hmm. the other times where he's like, my friend. And I'm like, oh, that was really motherfucker. But it wasn't because I've heard motherfucker plenty of times. Um, but mm-hmm. no, I, it was actually, it was a quote from Basic Instinct. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, wait a minute. Basic Instinct, like, a, I don't recall ever seeing Basic Instinct in entirety. So, like, it just is weird to me that I would have this quote from Basic Instinct that's like lodged itself in as being from uh, being from this movie. But also, I then said, okay, well, maybe, maybe there's a quote like it, but but about heroin that I and that's why I've misattributed to it. So I flipped it to heroin. Gina. Hmm. It sent me to Reddit. And mm-hmm. I gotta say, Never good. there are a lot of people doing heroin. And I mean, uh-huh. it's crazy. Like some people that, you know, like one guy, some, someone talking about like, you know, heroin's the best thing that you'll ever do in your life. Hot woman, forget about it. She sucks compared to heroin, all these things. And then there's another guy that's like, I decided to do heroin for an AMA. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You did heroin for an AMA? Like, who the like fuck do you Mark think Clark? you are? What? What, what is an a- what's AMA? AMA means ask me anything. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you that popular that that you want to that you're gonna do a like a Reddit AMA on heroin as like a what what what? I, I don't even think there's like a way to monetize that. Like, what are you doing? Um, and then his thing was about how he basically can't stop doing heroin because he did heroin for an AMA. Um. And it, there's just a lot of people. And then I, I commented, a, commented to a friend of mine, and she's from California. And she was like, oh, yeah. When, you know, She went to school in San Diego. She was like, loads of the people that, loads of the cool kids that I went to, like, 
middle and high school with did and do heroin and loads of them like are still doing it or they're dead. And I'm like, I feel like that, that this has that this kind of thing is absolutely guilty of making Mm -hmm. it seem permissible. Mm. You know, the only comment that it, the only comment that it, that it, yeah, well, what I'm saying is like, well, just say it's saying the movie is just like use heroin, quote, responsibly. Like if she well, hadn't, it's if like she had just asked, like it's cocaine. Yeah, when you exactly. Use heroin, you got to use less than you might snort when right. you're snorting cocaine. And you can use it and then drive a car and then be like, take somebody out like, which I mean, I've never done it, so I don't mm-hmm. know. But all the other images of people on heroin that I've seen from movies and TV shows like, you know, you shoot it and then you pass out. And so, like, it just, right. and maybe, maybe that's not always true. I don't know. But from my understanding from all those other things, it's like, so now this movie is like, yeah, just, you could do a little heroin and then go and be sharp and, like, drive and be responsible about it. Like, there is no responsible use of heroin. <laughs> like, that's, right. so, so, like, that's, yeah, this is a terrible, terrible image to, to be sending. Right. I mean, there is a world in which it was already there, like already happening. Um, and so this film is like a reflection of that. But in the same way, though, like if you're going to reflect on it, reflect on it with some fucking commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't don't just make it pretty. The right. six feet under, I think. Yeah, six feet under. It you know depicts meth which like that the mid 90s was like way before i was i thought meth was like a big deal um Mm. but you know it doesn't it's depicting something that's happening but it ain't making it look like it's doing good for people's lives Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's just no comment whatsoever except making it pretty and making it something that like this cool guy does yeah, for sure. And yeah, uh, and can yeah. go drive a car without a problem and right. and win a dance contest. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, it'll like make you more confident and cool and like able to do stuff. Right. Is like what the movie is saying. Yeah. Um I also I just like Butch is like the worst character. I can't stand. He's he's one of my least favorite parts of this movie. Weirdly, I learned from watching it mm. this time because he's just the shittiest person. And by the end, like you know, we feel like hooray for Butch because he's like succeeded. But like he's an asshole. Like he uh, jokes about like punching his girlfriend in the belly. He calls yeah. her. Oof retarded he has he says he has no regrets killing the the dude he killed um in the boxing match he's clearly again it's kind of like all my thoughts on once upon a time in hollywood he's literally like uh in aging out of his um relevance yeah and he is uh and then you know and he's the hero in the end because he he like 
does, you know, he escapes and he kills the bad guy and helps Marcellus, you know, get out of the situation. And like he literally says a couple times, like, you know, they just keep underestimating you and that's how you're going to win. Or he says that once at least. And it's like, yeah, you're you you are a symbol for a, a man who just feels like the world doesn't think he matters anymore. And then that man proving that he matters, you know, through excessive violence and abuse. And I just like can't stand it. And it sucks because Bruce Willis is like so like like he's attractive. He's he's like witty. Like I don't know. Like it it just makes you like want to like him. The movie clearly likes him. You know what I mean? Isn't it um, crazy that five years prior a movie was almost tanked because he wasn't seen as masculine enough? That's crazy. Isn't yeah, God. Crazy that Die Hard yeah. had to take him out of the posters because he right. wasn't seen as manly enough. God, it's crazy. Yeah, and then like look at his career. Like that's right. who he was. This it's who it's who it is what the la the the thirty years, the gross bulk of his career has been. There was a fluke <laughs> six years when he was selling wine coolers. And now <laughs> <laughs> he is, you know, rampant masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I really, I really hate that character. Um, and I didn't remember hating it. Like, yeah. Cause all the things about him are, are still pretty subtle. Um, also he says the, he has, he has the, a dumb conversation. Cause her name is, uh, Esmeralda Villalobos. Right. God, yeah. And <laughs> he, just he doesn't. Well, then does he ask her what it means? He doesn't. I don't think he does, but okay. he just says, you know, she asked what his she name, asked means, what his name means. Like, right. So like our American, our, our names, names don't, don't mean, mean shit. shit, except your name is Butch. Yeah, that does mean something. something. Exactly. Right. And right. Yeah. It's very clearly symbolic of right. your character. So right, absolutely, like that's the dumbest line in the whole thing. If your name was Sam, <laughs> then right. then you could argue <laughs> then that. Sure, it, right. Your, your name, name is Barry, literally you can argue it. But a your name stand is in for masculine. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like right. it's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, totally. I was I was like, what? Weird. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, which yeah, I'd say this film. That part of the problem with this film is that i feel like because it's an homage to like quote unquote hard-boiled noir which i gotta say i don't actually know what the word hard-boiled means in in this context i i mm-hmm. i'm in a situation to hear it used a lot but yeah. if you just just general if you like if you're looking at the if you're just generally perusing the genre of this film and what the old sort of pulp novels are the mm-hmm. word hard-boiled noir or hard-boiled detective type stuff it comes it comes into play pretty quickly and i say i don't i don't know i think i don't, I don't know yeah, what the word I mean, means. i don't know what it means right i feel like it's like i mean i think it's just like meant to be sort of like i i feel like it's just like hard is the part of it that's mm. helpful like that it's sort of like gritty, uh, maybe like maybe violent or like uses violence and is okay with it. Um, but there's something to it that feels like 
used to, uh, like somebody who is like used to a world that's not fair or like used right. to a violent world or something yeah yeah i never and, thought about this movie as being an homage to like noir that's interesting well i mean it just it i mean it everything feels old everything you know every it's i feel like it's done in a way that like it almost almost opposite of uh of once upon a time in hollywood which has a somewhat modern feel in terms of like it's it, it just it feels like it's deliberately supposed to feel like someone in the 2010s doing the 60s this one mm -hmm. it's it feel it's it i feel like it's very definitely supposed to be the 50s in the 90s you know not just the jack rabbit slims i mean that's almost mm -hmm. them sort of calling it out directly right. but i mean the suits the way that everything that mia wallace does in general and the filmmaking is very sort of noir like 40s noir yeah and so i feel like so much of um if you are a detractor of this film which we have admitted to being um mm -hmm. its defenders would come in and say that well that's the source material and it what it, it's God. giving glory to the source material and the it's 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 just the reality is if you're not commenting on the source material and if you're not commenting on what's happening you're just reflecting the source material then what you have is a writing exercise and it shouldn't be like the like the definition of cool for two generations at this point mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i think that's such a bullshit argument like that because you can extrapolate that to absolutely anything of like somebody being like well i'm a i don't know <laughs> i'm a civil war reenactor and like i'm just a dude like this is how people were and like it's just the it's just like all the sort of like looking this like white vantage point of like you know pr like it's just it's like make america great again it's like all these things that are like if you're like well it's just i'm just you know being honest to what things were it's like, well, what things were, were really fucked up, even more fucked up than they are now. Like, so like, you're just, yeah, if you're not making a point about it, it just feels like you're saying, oh, let's, let's, let's glorify this, this beautiful time of the past or something, which right. is just like really. It's like, if you like this enough that you want to make a film about it, but you're not interested enough in it to actually comment on it, you just want to reflect what's there. What does that say about you then? Well, what it, it no need to make that a rhetorical statement. If you are drawn to the sexism, the violence, and the homophobia and the drug use of this racism. genre and racism, mm -hmm. I thought I said that one first. Didn't say it first. But that's okay. The racism <laughs> of this genre, but not in a way in which you feel compelled to comment on it. Right. Then the only just... other possible conclusion is that you like it right for sure yeah no it's and now you actually yeah. want to like make a love letter to it in a way that makes it seductive to to other people right yep 
Yeah, fuck this movie. Ay ay ay. ay ay. Um, I'm. Yep. I I feel done talking about this movie. <laughs> All right. All right. Do we do? Um, yeah. You you uh you don't do haikus. For the bonus, I don't do them right? for the specials. For the specials. You know, honestly, I was thinking about this one. I might, I might probably will throw a haiku in there for some of the '90s ones, but I'm just like, all I would say is like, "Fuck this movie, ugh, yeah. fuck this movie, fuck this movie, fuck this movie." <laughs> That's oh, my haiku. Yeah. A five dollar <laughs> shake, <laughs> a five dollar milkshake, dancing with That's my boss's cool. wife. I gotta take piss. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm like, yeah, anything I'd say about this movie would just be like repeating the fact that it's like repeating quotable lines or whatever, you know, and I'm right. like, I don't want to do that with this movie. So, because I just want it to be gone. All right. It's gone. It's gone. Um, great. Well, um, next time. We're changing gears. I think oh, the next yeah, one that we're baby. doing, we're doing a little rush hour and space jam. What? That's right. The amount of times I did the electric slide to that song in in <laughs> I, my third grade gym class, I tell you. So that'll be that'll be fun and and different than this. It'll be a romp. But, It'll be a as romp. As we, you know, it'll be a romp, and oh, there'll sure. be a lot we'll to talk about. To say well. about Rush Hour. I mean, oh, we'll, we we'll certainly have, will. Yeah. We'll have things to say about both, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the depiction of cartoons, excuse me. Uh, Actually, yeah. I, 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 I've I, already got one thing right on the tip of my tongue, so. Uh, save it. Save it. I'll save it. Save it. Save it. Nice. Um, thanks for listening. We are Rock Rising Productions Rock podcast. Rising Productions podcast. Follow us. Follow us. Should we keep this? Should we keep follow this? Rock Rising. Follow Rising. Follow Steven. Follow Steven. He's follow famous Gino. on Twitter now. Famous on Twitter now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see you next time. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay inside. Yes, indeed. Stay, stay, stay. Stay, okay. stay, stay. Stay inside. Don't let you. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.